Okay, welcome everybody to the Master Movie Podcast. Um, so, this episode was actually one big episode. It was actually four hours and 35 minutes long, but Anchor's limitation is only 250 megabytes. So we split it up. Um, it was going to... This episode is um, Bright, a review of uh, Bright that the Bad Bill spun last episode, uh, the first time. And uh, also our Rise of Skywalker predictions slash speculation. It's more speculation than locking anything down. Um, but that will be its own episode um, that will be uploaded immediately after this. So once you're done here, you can go over there or just go straight there. I don't, I don't care. You're listening anyway. Um, <laughs> that was mean of me. I'm sorry, everybody. You don't have to listen. My dumb teenage sounding voice, even though I'm 23. Anyway, so there you go. So this is a, so this episode is our review of Bright, and um, then we go into Rise of Skywalker predictions. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Master Movie Podcast, everybody. I got Alex with me. Um, it is the last episode before the Rise of Skywalker. Four more days as of this recording until me and Alex go see it separately, unfortunately. Um, not too far apart. Not too far apart, actually, yeah. Um, Alex, your, your start time is about four hours after mine. Yeah, you're pretty much going to be leaving as I'm going in. Wait, so your showtime's at, like, 11, right? Yeah, four hours later, but, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be, like, I'll be at home, like, in a comatose state processing what I had just seen. Oh, wow. Uh, um, while you are about to start the movie. <laughs> I'll probably be fine afterwards, but, like, uh, entertained. Hopefully. Um, so we're going to do things a little differently uh, this episode. The, we spun the wheel four times last time. Um, we did... It landed on... We spun the bad wheel four times. Um, just to make Zach happy, who could not be here today. Um, just to give the, give the Star Wars Holiday Special a chance. And it landed on bright, and then we settled on what did we settle on? I I have to go back and listen, but I forgot what the movie after bright was. Anyway, uh... <laughs> it was another bad one, right? Uh, yes. Um... So. Right, Dungeons and Dungeons Dragons. Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, that was the other one. Yes, oh god. Yeah. Um, okay, so this episode we're gonna review Bright first, and then we're gonna go straight into Rise of Skywalker predictions. Um, because as much as I have to say about Bright, none of it good. I have inf- we predictions are gonna take a while as we hammer this all out. And just pitch at each other. Um, so. Um, with that in mind, I'm going to look at the news. <laughs> I know something that I want to talk about. Alex, is there anything out there that happened that you want to talk about? Well, yeah, I really didn't think. Um, I mean, the, the answer is no. But I really didn't oh. think of anything coming in, honestly. Well... You have heard of... <laughs> I'm sorry, I just saw something that was really funny. Um, so, have you been paying attention to, like, the... For research purposes for the uh, Rise of Skywalker predictions, have you seen what... Seen and, like, read or heard what cast have been saying to try to yeah. promote this yeah. movie? Yeah, it's unavoidable. They're getting like they're getting just put through the rigor. Like everything they say is getting scrutinized. 
Also, I feel bad for Adam Driver because Marriage Story is probably going to get him nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars, and he's got to do the press tour for that, too. Oh, man. Well, I think he's happy that he gets to do both at the same time, mostly. But yeah. he don't, he'll, he knows what he has to talk about when he goes in an interview. Like, he may do a bunch in a day, but he, he'll... He'll have to be reminded, of course, but he'll know which one is which. But I think he's in, like, the best position, period. Like, he's got an Oscar job and a Star Wars movie coming out the same year. Like, that's every actor's dream. Money and street cred. Um, but there was a little spat that happened this week. Um, so what happened was i think it was i want to say the new york times they released an article about um about the rise of skywalker and leading up to it or somebody i'm pretty sure it was the new york times but um it had quoted i think it was no it wasn't the one that quote. It wasn't the New York Times article that quoted John Boyega as to disagreeing with the Last Jedi. That wasn't it, <laughs> which is another can of worms in and of itself that I really haven't settled on. But um, it's also that like okay, so overall, the spat that's been happening is that people have been interpreting some of the things that JJ and Daisy and John Daisy Ridley and uh, John Boyega have been saying about the last Jedi in order to win the, the, the part, the, the chunk of the audience that didn't like the last Jedi to talk them into the theater for this movie. Now, um, me, I'm. I honestly don't know. I don't know what exactly they're getting at by saying what John Boyega gets out of saying, I disagreed with some of the decisions that um, Ryan Johnson made. Apparently, it boiled down to he didn't like being separated from the main, from like Oscar Isaac or Daisy Ridley throughout that whole movie, because he felt like The Force Awakens brought momentum, and he wanted to continue with that. Whereas Ryan Johnson split them all apart to have their own arcs and grow separately. And like he didn't like that, and it seems like. Keyword seems like he didn't like that decision because it separated him from his friends for a scene or two. Yeah. So, I don't know about that one, about John Boyega. But in terms of... Okay. Also, Daisy Ridley, she said... She was... Um, apparently uh, quoted as saying that she cried when J.J. Abrams was brought back for nine um, because he brought like security and stability Um, but the context to that was the context of that before they dropped that dropped that was that Colin Trevorrow had been rightfully fired um, from episode nine and the kind of state of that movie was in flux for a little bit. And then with JJ, I think he was trying to say, like, he it's not that he didn't like that the movie had a meta and was trying to say and was trying to say, I don't think he had that problem with the movie trying to say, like, this doesn't necessarily matter or doesn't matter if it asks too many questions to its audience. I think he was saying like people some people didn't like that. Like on the other like on the other hand, I understand like I on the other hand, people didn't like how it was too 
meta or being told that this doesn't matter. Um, I think he was just commenting on that, not necessarily giving his opinion on that situation. Um, but for me, I just don't know what John Boyega was getting at. Also, I can understand... Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Um, I can also understand like how people could say, like, oh, he didn't want to be with his friends. Does that mean he didn't like acting with Kelly Marie Tran? I can understand that, but I'm not I I don't subscribe to that. Cuz I don't get the Alex help me out here. I can't keep rambling like this. I don't know what to make of any of this. Uh, uh, I didn't want to interrupt, but um Okay, so it's it's hard to dissect what a lot of them are saying because they know inner workings somewhat about the movies at least before we do so when daisy ridley is talking about stability i think yeah she's probably talking about the fact that the original director and writer was fired and they didn't know whose vision was going to be running things and they brought in a new writing team too so like they were starting from scratch pretty much so I, I, my guess is that's what she was talking about then. Uh, John Boyega probably hears the most that the Canto Bite stuff is the weakest part of the movie, which is his story. Um, I think the bigger part of the problem is that he is pretty much going through the same arc he did in the first movie, which kind of sucks. It really sucks because he's doing it alone. Now, yeah, Kelly would... Kelly Marie Trade is there, but if you're going to make, if you're going to separate your characters, you have the um, side characters together, especially when you've already proven that Poe and Finn are great together. You have them do a story together, and then you have uh, Ray go out and meet either Luke or new people because she's really the main character of the movie. It's what they did at Empire. The two side characters go off and have adventures. doesn't matter what they're doing. They're fun together. They have chemistry. Whereas Luke meets Yoda and meets like history of the world and stuff. Because he's the main character. He's supposed to discover that stuff. Um, I, I think that was a problem. And I kind of agree at that point. Um, especially when, yeah, he probably really was feeding off the energy that people felt from Finn and Poe together. But uh, I, I think it's also about the fact that, yeah, like, they posited this trilogy about these three, four, if you count Kylo, people, like, driving the force of the trilogy. And if I were him, if I would hope to positively look at it and say, uh, they thought my character was important enough to carry his own story and, and usher in new characters, which, to be honest, he's the one who starts Force Awakened. He's the one that you follow in the first place that meets Poe. He, he's the one that takes you to Rey. Like, like he has a stake in this movie. And I, I, I would want him to think about it from that perspective. Uh, but I can understand how he might have trouble with that um, more than anyone. Uh, as for JJ talking about meta and telling the audience what they don't want, that's uh, a director who's made nothing but safe stuff saying the that he's afraid of scaring his audience. I mean, do like, I, do I think that Ryan was saying that this stuff doesn't matter, that the Skywalker stuff doesn't matter, that this force belongs to everyone to a certain degree? Yes. But also I think the, um, I, I think that that was a smart move in this, uh, franchise when they were going to bombard us with a bunch of movies and shows anyway and they needed to bring in a new audience and they needed to change things they couldn't stick to things they couldn't stick to formulas because they needed to uh, offer and usher in new things new genres like the mandalorian being a western and i i i I, for jj abrams to say wow like he he treated his audience like idiots well they may have felt that way, but I also don't think that he was necessarily saying that so much as he was saying, like, that we need to start from scratch. But he also, I think he did it in an entertaining way. So 
more than anything, like if you're going to say something in a movie, say it with passion and verb and like seriousness. So I, I could see J.J. Abrams say that and be like, uh, I'm the safe guy. So it's just what he would say. Does it like, does it make me excited for the new movie? I don't know. Like, he, I, I, he isn't the kind of guy who treats his audience like idiots, but I also don't think that he services the story when he's focused on something else. Like, Super 8 is a movie that's meant to look like a Spielberg movie, and he just didn't think about a story in that process. He thought the images would carry the story, and really they don't. Uh, he doesn't have that kind of power. He is better with character and casting. And I, I think when you bring all these characters together the way that they wanted to do in the second movie, J.J. Abrams is the kind of guy who's going to make that succeed. He is good with ensembles. He worked at TV for years. He did Star Trek, and that's perfectly casted, and he, do, he knows where the chemistry is. I think that if the driving force of this movie is those three characters going on an adventure together, I'm all about it. So, and I, I'm all about his version of it. I, I think it'll be fun, regardless. Uh, but actors are going to say stuff like that in any movie. They don't have any control about how their parts are done. Some actors are in movies that they completely cut out, and then like five years later, their contract ends, and they can say whatever they want. But like actors, actors' perception about the movie is about how they shoot it, and what scenes they have, and what kind of movie they were making. And it's a completely different movie when you start things out with Poe or excited to see where that's going to go and then you're in his mind sidetracked with somebody else but in my mind like I think Finn was supposed to like be the guy to usher in the new world like he like opening up new, new things I think they felt that he was a strong enough character to do that that Johnson was like you can have your own adventure to do it but like you could also argue that because they fail in their mission and it really doesn't have any effect on the story and also Finn's pretty much doing the same arc that he did in the last movie that it really didn't amount to anything and he's really not respecting him and I think that's a fair point to say about Last Jedi but all of this is moot all of this is moot do not talk negatively about the last movie you did when you're walking in promoting your next movie I mean it's becoming a trend it really is like I would say a great example would be the, the Terminator franchise. Every time a new one is made, they walk in and they're like, we're not going to be like the, ne- the last one. We're going to be something different. We're going we're gonna to change things. It's going to be brand new. Like James Cameron is here. We've got Linda Hamilton. Schwarzenegger, he's still around, so yay. Like they, That's becoming kind of a thing. And I don't I, – I think it, it's a bad idea here for them to just sort of give in to the very – loud small group of people who adamantly don't like that movie for stupid reasons um and, and giving into that to some respect is not good like they may have legitimate reasons why they feel the last jedi isn't a good movie or has problems or was difficult for them to make something after but like at the end of the day those story choices were um, uh accepted and uh signed off by disney and the Star Wars people, like Ryan came to them with the story and they said, okay, you can make that. So at the end of the day, like he had to run this stuff by the Star Wars people. They were cool with it. They'd signed off on it. So they were cool with the story going this way. It wasn't until the audience saw it that everybody started freaking out. So this was their plan. Now everyone's freaking out. Javaro left. They had to get some stability. They've got J.J. Abrams, but like, don't walk in any of that that's not the kind of stuff you want to carry with your film years down the line walk in and say we're excited we're excited to build off the last one yeah it's going to be a little bit safer maybe a little bit more fan service but it's also the end of a big spectacular series of movies we want to have fun so like have fun like they should be saying that stuff all i'm seeing about this movie really does seem like it's going to be fun the clip of them uh riding the speeder getting chased like that stuff looks great the, the some people called it bad vaccine, and to be honest, yeah, that there's some fury roads that looks really I'm good. I'm not complaining. It looks fun. I just don't don't talk negatively about the last movie 
well, you're promoting the next one. You want people to see it. You want people to watch all of them before you go in. That, that was exactly my thought. I was like, why is he, why did he come out with that like a week and a half before the movie comes out? Whereas, like, um, he could have just, like, I don't know, kept his mouth shut and just said, hey, like Richie said, we're excited. We want to, we're going to build off of what we did in the last movie. And, um, yeah, like, I get that you probably disagree with Ryan, but come on, be a professional. You put, like, you're in that movie, for God's sake. Sell yourself. Be professional or something like, you know. Um, there was um, an outpouring of support for Ryan Johnson after that, and uh, I am glad to see that, even though I did not see Knives Out when I wanted to. Dang it. Um, Neither have I, man. I've just been working a hell of a lot. Yeah, same. Um, ooh. Um, weekly update. Have you seen The Mandalorian yet? No. Dang it. Okay. Um, I'm trying uh, to go- grasp at straws here. The the Golden the golden Globes came out. Ah, uh, the Golden Globes, yes. Uh, Todd Phillips got nominated for Joker, and everybody, felt, everybody flipped out about that. I was like, oh, you know, everybody, everybody flipped out that, that Todd Phillips got nominated. I, I think it's an impressive feat, but when I look at the other people that are up there, and I look at the person who is probably the odd man out, it would be him, because it really isn't anything new style-wise. And most of the movie is just shoot walking Phoenix. And um, I'll give him that he picked uh, great technical people behind it, but there's not much to it that hasn't already been done before or can really be, be just like shown to us. And the bigger issue is um, the lack of appreciation or recognition for anything done by women. Yeah. Like, like Little Women, um, uh, uh, well, here I am, right here, just doing it. Um, <laughs> uh, Queen and uh, Slim, uh. written and directed by a woman. A lot of a lot of critics like that. Um, there, there were a few films that that the lack of recognition really kind of worried people, and I agree. Like Greta Gerwig, out of all of them, was the biggest hype to be uh, given a nomination for best director. And there's also The Farewell too, that was made by a woman. Um, and, and, and although that got forward, there was a good possibility that she could have a shot in there too but like the, no recognition at all like Olivia Wilde didn't get one any respect at all that just seems so crazy to me her, her oh that's right Booksmart came out this year didn't it yeah huh. it, the lack of any recognition of any women at all is just crazy mm. when they asked the uh, association how they felt they said we gave the nominations to the films that merited it This does not bode well for the Oscars, does it? They're two completely different groups. Okay. Like uh, the Ford Press Association, they, uh, they're pretty much looking to be bought. They're kind of walking around, go to parties to just go to parties. If you uh, say, you know, do something like quid pro quo with them is big. So... Uh, they they aren't really taken seriously so much. They want they they just throw a really good party that's on TV where people can drink, and they want celebrities to go. So like, they'll make sure that the nominations are for people that they want to come and have a good time there. Uh, whereas like the Academy is a completely different group of people. Uh, okay. Um. Trying to see if there's any more relevant news. Uh, wait, what else? What else got nominated at the Golden Globes that you know of? Um, I would say the front runner for drama would be Irishman. 
Uh, I saw that coming. Uh, that's probably front runner for best picture at the Oscar right now. Mm. Uh, it's a great movie. Loved it. Um, Marriage Story was also nominated. Joker was nominated. Um, 1917. I can't remember the fifth one. Uh, as for comedies and musicals, uh, Rocket Man got one, and I was happy for that. Uh, I don't think Booksmart got in there, which is crazy. Um, as for the actors, Joker, see, uh, DiCaprio, uh, bro, uh, Driver. Yeah, to be honest, I really didn't pay attention. I really just, I, I looked at the nominations. I was like, yeah, okay, these are okay. And the lack of women surprised me. I, I, I'm waiting for the Oscars and I really don't know how this year is going to go. Like, I think it's a really great year for movies, but I just don't think it's a great year for prestige movies. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not seeing... Um, other than the fact that Chris Terrio shouted out... Uh, what, was, what was her name? Who wrote the first draft to Empire Strikes Back? And it was... What was her yeah. name? Um, that was pretty neat. That he got inspiration because the woman who wrote the first draft uh, um, did some weird things and he was really inspired by that and that's nice to see so I'm like god this movie comes out in four days and I can't believe I made it <laughs> oh my god I, like, I, like from when the first trailer came out back in April, back in like April I'm like how am I going to make it to this movie <laughs> so um, that's all. That pretty much Star Wars has been on my mind until I watched this movie. No, <laughs> but I watched like Bright. It's not like the marketing has been like crazy or anything. No, it's gonna get worse after tomorrow, because that's when the world premiere, the red carpet world premiere happens, or is it Tuesday? I really don't know. That's when it's gonna get bad. Why? Because people have seen it by then? People will... Eyeballs will have been laid on the movie in a public... Or not in a public. In a sort of private um, uh, space. And... Yeah. Weird. Are there, are there critics going? Critics are... Well, of course, that's what happened with every uh, Star Wars movie. Like, critics will be going, journalists, uh, the the cast will be going. Of course, is all like all that other stuff. So, yeah, it'll be it'll all be live streamed. The whole red carpet thing, and then oh, wow. once once the party stops, and then they actually go in and see the movie. Then there's going to be an after party. There will be tweets about what people thought of the movie. Then their review embargo. Will be uh, released on Wednesday night, or early, or really early Thursday morning. I'm not exactly sure. Dear God. Um. Wednesday makes more sense. Yeah. So. So yeah. Um. Okay. Not a lot of news happened besides the Golden Globes and the press tour for The Rise of Skywalker and the fact that The Rise of Skywalker is coming out in four days. I need to stop saying that. Um, yes. <laughs> all right. I guess we should just talk about Bright. Like weak, weak news. Weak news. Weak news. Yes. Um, we should talk about Bright. We spun uh. the bad wheel. We spun the bad wheel. I, Bright was one of the first movies put on the bad wheel when we first started this. Yeah, you did it. I did this. I'm kind of glad I did. But I'm kind of glad I'm... I'm kind of... I'm kind of mad I did. I'm mad and glad. Don't get mad, uh, get glad. Um, 
This well, movie. Me, you want to start? Well, I, I want to ask you this. If we okay. didn't have to stick it in an episode where we were doing predictions and we're four days away from a movie you cared about, like, and it was it was just a normal episode, What what? how do you think you'd be walking into it then? Walking into Bright or walking into this review? Well, yeah. Like, if we were just doing a normal episode on Bright, there were no... There were no other distractions. Uh, that's kind of what I actually did. I was just like, okay. This movie is in front of me. I'm going to watch it. And I wasn't... I When I watched it, I wasn't distracted. Um, I've pretty much been thinking about my predictions all week. So there's not a lot... There wasn't a lot... There wasn't a lot... Uh, of uh, new things to think about. Um, so I was just like, okay, I'll just tune out for two hours and watch this movie. And I literally gave this movie a shot and said, okay, impress me or try to prove me wrong. It did not. Uh, this is a movie where Max Landis and David Ayer tried to make a mostly serious, like, cop drama with themes of race and gang violence. In the context of um, species you would see in fantasy movies are in the modern day that like they're real in our co- in, in our universe and they're the ones being scrutinized. Yeah. It didn't work. It doesn't. It did not work. Like, this whole movie. (laughs) Well, like... (laughs) The premise premise is not bad. I think it's bad. (laughs) Fantasy stuff in modern day is not a bad idea. I don't don't think that's bad. And I also think taking a director who has done already two, at least two great cop movies already... um, into the fold to make that story isn't a necessarily a bad idea either. It's just the race stuff is crazy. It doesn't work. And and also it Max Landis does this a lot. He has he'll he'll like have a story going and he'll have a like two people that are bouncing off each other really well. He's like good at buddy movies. But he also like throws a bunch of stuff into his story to see what sticks or not. And usually they get fixed during the production and during the edit at the very least. And so a lot of strings of stuff are just like hanging by from the very start. And there's a lot going on in this movie that just doesn't go anywhere or do anything or mean anything. So there's a lot of like crap going on, just like a lot of hubbub. And it just doesn't need to be there. So the story is extremely convoluted, barely makes any sense is filled with strings that don't go anywhere. It is fueled by this, like, borderline high school, like, creative writing class idea that's half-baked. It doesn't take one step to think that just because you relate orcs to black people, you don't think that gang-related violence is immediately inherent to black people. That's... That's some weird stuff that you just don't want to think about. And when you realize what kind of an asshole Max Landis is, you're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. <laughs> this is this is true. He did say, I, I, I remember this, Max Landis was on uh, Screen Junkies back before Andy Signora was accused of uh, sexual assault. Um, like Max Landis. Yeah. He claimed... That Fast and Furious 
7 was a better movie than Force Awakens, and I immediately tuned him out. Because even objectively, that's stupid. <laughs> it's like, I stopped taking him seriously at that point. And I'm glad I did, because when I saw this movie, I'm like, yeah, this is this is what his legacy will be. This movie is, will be his legacy. <laughs> this well, is I, the I... guy who claimed that Fast and Furious 7 was a better movie than The Force Awakens. And this is what he gets for saying that. This is the movie he wrote. This is the movie he wrote after he said that. (laughs) I think Fast and Furious 7 makes, like, I think it makes better, bigger risks than Force Awakens does. I also think it has just as equal amount of chemistry between its characters. And I also think it has an amazing middle section centerpiece in that movie where in Force Awakens they have a centerpiece where they waste raid people for a like a giant monster, CGI monster that rolls around and does nothing. Like That's fair. I will I, give you that. I, I rewatched Force Awakens recently and I, I there's a lot of things I love about it now. Like that I just completely didn't notice how beautiful it is, how just like great of an action movie it is. Uh, how great the characters are, but like the story is flimsy just on its own, along with being uh, a rehash of something we've already seen. Like Fast and Furious 7 is like that, that is a movie taking chances. Like that movie should not even exist. And it, the only reason it does is because 6 was good. And the only reason 6 exists is because 5 was great. So, like, I. I I will give anyone who says the fact that they think they are just as good as each other, but like the like Max Landis has has said worse things than that. Okay, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just standing by Fast and Furious Seven. Uh, right, I, right, right. Okay, and, and, I think, and I think Force Awakens is. I just think its story isn't that great. There's a lot of things going for it, but like its story is weak. It was co-written by Lawrence Kasdan in his later years, so. Yeah, like, Kasdan is great. I've liked this stuff, and anyone who gets older, like, they're obviously going to lose their touch, but, like, uh, I the thing about Max Landis is he's made movies that I've enjoyed, but all of them are shaggy, all of them are half-baked, and none of them fully work, which is why none of them are, like, have been that successful. Uh, and I don't know what's going to happen with Bright now that he is uh, going through what he's going through, like, good like he's getting canceled i guess so uh yeah. i don't really i i like i like the fact that he made good buddy movies but outside of that that's it so like yeah. i don't really need any more he made a bunch so that's fine by me and i would say in, in terms of this movie like again the the two guys have chemistry will smith and um uh edgerton have chemistry and edgerton is obviously like the best thing out of this movie i could that's hardly understand a word he said honestly <laughs> I, I had captured that. Oh, okay. I knew that was coming. I did not see that coming. Honestly. I, I, I really like Edgerton. I think he's great. I think he makes great movies. I think he's in a lot of good movies. I think he gives good performances. Uh, I, I really like him in this, and I don't think Will Smith is bad either. I just think this story is crazy convoluted, uh, just half-baked, and... There's no real follow through, and it really just makes for a boring, boring time at the movies. Even though this movie was on a streaming service, so you can't really enjoy it in theaters. Anyway, so like, <laughs> um, granted, I have not seen a lot of genre mixing. I, to me, the genre mix here just doesn't work. Like, I'm trying, like, I can take, I'm pretty sure that I can take the struggles, uh, like, I could take a cop drama and a fantasy movie Separately, separately, I could take them seriously, but together, especially with the way orcs are used and portrayed in place of the real thing, 
I'm just like, this is a joke. <laughs> yeah, like, that, like that's why, like that's why I consider it half baked because really it's just a cop drama where he replaces black people with orcs or or Mexicans with orcs. That's that's all that's really been done, and then like magic both drives this messed up convoluted story while at the same time being the answer and do ex machina to every quarter they write themselves into. So I, I, again, I think this could have worked. I think you could have, I, I, I I just take, I just take it less seriously. They took it less seriously and didn't use those undertones. I would have been fine. Or just like, like, Wait, didn't the the heavy the heavy use of racism sucks because this like the 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 connection that he's making is if orcs are black people in this world then like they still have gangs and stuff like that then gang violence is immediately connected to black people it also just sort of stereotypes a lot of ideas about other people as well it uses phrases like fairy lives don't matter like it's just not very <laughs> it's not very smart. <laughs> I don't try to like say uh, like we're being silly here, but also it's also never not really smart with it. it, uh, it like, uh, but outside of that, all that really drives the story is mostly cop stuff. Like take away the swad, take away the whole bright thing, take away like all these other aspects to it, and basically it's just two cops who are dealing with a corrupt system that they have to move around. So they can get the witness to one point to stop the thing that has to happen. Like, but it it's mostly a cop story with magic in it. So that that really doesn't work when the story is like half baked anyway. So it, it the I it just it just needed more work. It just needed more rewrites from smarter people. You would have had something like Daybreak or like a really good elevated B movie, like Dread or something. Like you, do that sort of thing, but just if you're gonna throw that kind of money at it, get more writers on it. Oh my god, fairy lights don't matter. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, terrible, terrible line. It's like <laughs> okay, okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Uh, that that being said, this was not the worst movie that we have had to watch because of this wheel this year. By yeah, far, like I I I could see zoning out to this movie where when other people are watching it, I would be like so offended. There there are things about it that like are good, but uh, it's just I I I sigh every time something stupid happens. I, I sigh every time something just sort of occurs. Like the bad guys just keep finding out where they are. It's just stuff like that really bothers me. And I, it's the sort of thing that makes me not want to watch the movie again, which sucks because the whole point of a buddy movie is that you want to watch these movies or you want to watch these people more stories. That, that's why there's so many on TV. That's why the, the lethal weapon movies worked. And, Again, like David Ayer has made two really good cop movies already, so there there's like aspects to this that work, but uh, the magic stuff does not, the race stuff does not, and the story is just like all over the place anyway. So, what does it matter? It's just weird. Uh, I, it, I I'm not bored. I'm just annoyed. It's a, it's annoying. Also, just. Technically, like when I'm watching this movie, the action at some points when, like, from the also some dialogue exchanges just go on and on and on. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, when they're in the car together the first time, they just kept talking. It was the same shot, reverse shot. It was just like, it just kept going and going for like two minutes straight. 
Well, yeah, like that's the thing. David Ayer has done that in his other cop movies, and it's they're they're interesting because, like, first of all, it's just two guys on the job, and the job is dangerous, and anything dangerous could happen at any moment when they get the call. But like here, you have to overthink that because there's orcs and magic, and there's this whole convoluted thing. You can't just enjoy two guys on the job. That's dangerous. It's two guys on the job, and one of them is completely different animal and there's like this whole race thing and like all this other stuff you're thinking about it's just it's it's just too much it's you can't enjoy a simplicity of a cop movie structure or techniques when you're thinking about all this other stuff okay and then also take the action when the moment he guns down those four cops, including Griggs from Suicide Squad, um, from the moment they grab the girl with the wand to when they get uh, taken by the gang of orcs, It's just like there's not a second to breathe, and I mean that in a bad way. Because there's no dramatic pause, even when the action is stopped, like when they're at the gas station. You know, there's no like beat, it just keeps going, really, and it's not focused on. And when the action is going, it's just like cutting to one shaky shot to another shaky shot and they're all really they're like they're all like either medium shots to close shots and there's no like like when they're in the like when they're <laughs> when they're in the uh when they enter the uh club they um like that whole thing is just like so that whole sequence was like for me it was just like so disorienting i'm just like wait what is even going on here yeah like what like <sighs> yeah, dude I... wrote training day right and then he directed end of watch i don't know if he wrote training day I do think End of Watch is better, though. This is an unfortunate downfall. How is that? He went from... Let me get this right. He went from End of Watch to Suicide Squad to this movie. This movie was supposed to bounce him back. It did he not. Had, he also had Fury in there somewhere. Oh wait, no, that was no, that was before Suicide Squad, wasn't it? Right before. He went from End of Watch to Fury to Suicide Squad to Bright. Where did yeah. he go wrong? See, he thought he was just making another cop movie. That that was going to bounce his career back. Uh, just a fun little genre-mixing cop movie for Netflix. But uh, and, and I guess a sequel is in the works, but I just, I just don't... I think it's dumb. So, and, like, dumb movies get sequels all the time. It's also, I don't think, a very fun, dumb movie. Uh, it's, and, and nothing is worse... When you're, nothing is worse when your movie gets taken over by the plot where the plot doesn't make any sense. And yeah, like the the pace moves at that speed because they just don't want you to stop and think about what all the mechanics they have to do to make this story work. True. So they they just give up on character and, and start just sort of putting the pieces together for something to happen that's exciting at the end. So it's just, if this were directed by brett ratner we'd have like a perfect like cocktail of like what's the word misogyny huh um 
Yeah, this like, I I I think misogyny is a word you could attach to David Ayer. I think toxic masculinity, the celebration of it, is another one too. He's just all about men being men, uh, <gasps> and the brother of being men. Uh, uh, if Brett Ratner did it, it would certainly be funnier. Yes. <laughs> um. Not to say I like Brett Ratner, it would just be funnier. Yeah. Um. So, all right. Um, I honestly thought I'd have more to say, but I really don't. It's just like, and the whole him getting shot with a hunting rifle. Um, oh, yeah. Joe getting shot with a um, hunting rifle. First off, the guy's... Um, the guys, uh, su- the, the 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 gang, the orc gang leader's son, is supposed to shoot Joel Edgerton, and he doesn't because he's the guy that he's the because that's the kid that Joel Edgerton saved in the alley when at the beginning of the movie it's shown in a dream sequence slash flashback. Flashback that, yeah, flashback. Um, uh. cashback guarantee. Um, so, um, that, uh, there was a kid, sim- there was a guy similarly dressed to him who shot Will Smith almost point blank in the chest with a shotgun, even though he should be dead. Bulletproof vest and all. The, I, I subscribe to the he should be dead. Um, I don't know how this works. I don't either. But a police vest against a shotgun at less than 10 feet away, I don't buy those odds. Um, But, like, and then the son gives the dad the rifle, the Dad tells him, okay, get out of here. Then the dad shoots him with the rifle, and he falls down a very conveniently placed long pit of doom that had a sarlacc in the bottom. Darn it! Darn it! I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm sorry. I slipped. Okay, so... You caught yourself. Yeah, I caught myself. Um, And, of course, like... (laughs) Just... And I'm just like, and just the way he is just like, oh, he died. And then he resurrected. And it's like, oh, this is prophecy. I'm like, now this movie's a joke. Yeah, lazy. Yeah, sure. The prophecy part, like, was somewhat introduced when the homeless guy with the sword in the middle of the street, in the middle of the intersection was waving a sword, and then they took him back. He pukes in the backseat, and then he talks in Orcish to Joel Edgerton, who talks about how he's a part of the prophecy. And yeah, Will yeah, Smith is blessed. He comes back, never shows up again. He just sort of just comes in, talks. Sebastian and then, the whole, then the whole prophecy goes away for a time. Yeah. Just waiting to save the story at the end. And then that was like the most anticlimactic ending where they teased the Dark Lord, the Dark Lord, the Dark Lord. We don't get to see him. So it's probably either sequel bait or bad plotting. Oh. I almost asked you if that was possible. Then I remembered I watched this movie. So, uh, I don't know if it's bad plotting, it's certainly bad world building. There it is. That's what I, not not, so, not plotting, world building. That's lazy, what I'm for. lazy world building. Yeah. Um just oh, God, this movie is so bad. Um but yeah, just I this 
I think your grade is going to be higher than mine because I just don't see how this mix, this genre mix, could have worked in a serious context. But, like, yeah. Um, they do it on TV all the time. Like, sure, but is it really taken that seriously? Oh, okay, but, Sleepy yeah. Hollow. Sleepy Hollow. Like, okay, that, that's fine. Also, once upon a time, like, they, they do this stuff all the time on TV, and it works. Like, sometimes they take it seriously, sometimes they don't. If you're going to try to put a, a bunch of, like, throw a bunch of money at it, throw some real actors at it, throw some real, like, uh, people behind it, then actually oh, have a story that works. Don't, well, like, Sleepy Hollow is a good, is, is like, a good example of, like, a, a fairy tale in the modern day, whereas like Ichabod Crane raises from the dead in modern, like in modern times, and like um, now he's the battle of the four, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. But like, I can buy that because like it's not as. It's not as, um, what's the word? I'm bad at vocabulary tonight. I apologize, everybody. Um, it's not as, it do, it's not in your, it's not as in your face as this movie is. Whereas, like, in this movie, there are orcs and fairies and elves everywhere. So it's always there and you're always looking at it. You know, well, and I, also the context in which this movie, also the themes this movie is trying to tackle as well, like that cannot be like overlooked at all. If, well, if we're about, comparing it, the thing about fantasy is you can. It has been used as an allegory for race before, for sure, like elves, dwarfs, all that stuff. Like it, but it has its own genre tropes. It has its own rules that it's sort of. I guess cliches as well that it's sort of goddard throughout the years. So like, but at the end of the day, you could use fantasy for a good allegory for societal uh, problems and tell a story that way. Um, and, and it can work here. I think it can work here, but like, again, it's all half baked instead of, instead of like really, really understanding something other than like, elves because of how they're usually portrayed would be the rich people and um uh, and, and that's the thing they're, they're they're saying elves have money so they like live like rich people do specifically that's inherent to their style of life just like they say orcs are the kind of people that are the inherited vectors of gang violence which is bad it's just you're not thinking through anything that you're using here it's just like orcs are black people no no no, it just doesn't work. You, you you have to be more than that. You have to actually give the orcs a society. You have to give them uh, behaviors. That's the thing about fantasy. Like usually in those stories, these groups of people actually have rules. They have societies. They have right. legends. They have that are original to the story. That's what makes them fun. That's what makes them fun to write. If you're the person writing them, you get to invent an entire society with an entire language and an entire history that will somehow come and help the story later. If, if not, it just sort of paints the world. But that's not what they're doing here. It's, so, it's just sort of like, we're going to make a cop movie and um, orcs are blacks and Latinos. Fairies are rich. Okay, so also, to close it out, Zootopia did it better. Uh, D minus. <laughs> Wow, that's actually pretty good. Um, D minus. Uh, I'm gonna go D plus. Like, I mean, uh, just solely because it's not the worst thing we've seen this year. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with C. Really? Yes. I kn- see. I knew, I knew your grade would be higher than mine. <laughs> I like. Will Smith, 
And I like Joel Edgerton. I like their chemistry to get together. And I like that Joel Edgerton is trying despite the fact that he's covered in makeup. Uh, I wish uh, I wish Nobi Reprice was doing more. The makeup is good. Uh, the special effects, some of them are good. Like it, It's a dark movie, but there's a lot of interesting color to it. Um, it just doesn't look bad, is all I'm saying. It, it does look pretty good. I like their chemistry. It looks good. Um, about it. Yeah. That's it. Like, Everything like, else is just nuts. Yeah, I, I could see uh, people say that they like this, and I wouldn't be that offended by it. So, like, I do I think it's an average? No, actually, I think it's below average. So, yeah, D+. Plus. I'm going to go D+. Plus. D+. Plus. Okay. It's not a C- minus for me. I, won't, I don't think I'm coming back to this. No. <laughs> Rest in peace, Max Landis. Actually, don't. Um, all right. So, that was bright. Um, killed about a half an hour to 40 minutes of time. And that was our review of Bright, which was the first part of a larger recording. Um, after this, we went immediately into our Rise of Skywalker speculation and predictions. Um, so you can mosey on over to that episode, which should be on top of this one. So thank you guys for listening, and we will see you after Rise of Skywalker. <laughs>